You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is Trailblazers with Ricky Swinnell. Welcome into Trailblazers on SENZ. I am Ricky Swannell, and each week I'll get my own name right for a start. That would be good. But each week, myself and and or Kirsty Stanway will go one on one in depth with Kiwi women doing big things in the sporting world. Uh, on and off the field. My guest today is a young athlete who has certainly made some pretty big waves, a new age of Kiwi sports star. Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott won the bronze medal in Big Air at the 2018 Winter Olympics, aged just 16, and as she says, became an instant pub quiz question as our second winter medalist. She's gone on to be a two-time world slope-style champion and made the podium in every event she contested this year. Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott, welcome to Trailblazers. Hi, thank you for having me. I can't believe it has almost been four years since Pyeongchang and you're, what, six, eight months away from another Winter Olympics. Does it feel like that fast for you or does it feel like it was yesterday? Um, no, it does feel that fast. It does feel like it was yesterday and it's pretty crazy that it's come up so soon um, with Beijing. But, um, yeah, it's been a while wild journey but I've spoke to yeah spoke to where I'm at I can I, I like well yeah it amazes me because I was lucky enough to, to be there the day you won that bronze medal and to, and to be in South Korea for that, that whole games it was such a cool experience uh, did life change in an instant when you won that bronze medal um yeah kind of like it was pretty crazy because like honestly it took months months to digest like what actually happened um it didn't really feel like it was real for so long um because I kind of went back to normal life straight after just like straight back to high school um but yeah like it was crazy I can't believe um like the reception from New Zealand and like coming home there was a huge uh welcome party and like yeah it was amazing because I guess, like you guys down in Wanaka, you you just kind of do your thing, right? And especially for yourself and, and Nico, the younger ones in the team, you, you snowboarding perhaps didn't quite, did you quite realise how big of a deal winning an Olympic medal would be for the country and all of a sudden everyone would know who you were? Um, honestly, not at all. Like, like, it was always my dream to win an Olympic medal and I didn't really, like, I never really thought about what came after that. And so... It's pretty crazy, like, you know, it wasn't an, an expectation for me to win a medal, so when it did happen, um, yeah, it just, yeah, it was pretty, yeah. yeah. Was, it, was it weird? Like, to, was it totally weird? Uh, yeah, I, I reckon it was super weird. <laughs> I was like, you know, being 16, um, but it was awesome to have uh, Nico 
by my side through all of it because, you know, like we've known each other for so long and, um, yeah, to go through that together and he was definitely a lot more, um, a lot more camera friendly than I was and a lot more in tune to media. So it was good to have him like, he kind of took the weight off my shoulders a bit. Yeah, is it? Are you just a, a little bit more shy, or just hadn't done as much, or you know, or just not as like media? I, and I'm come from a media side, obviously. It must be weird when all of these strangers are suddenly want a piece of you and, and putting you know putting microphones in your face. You're like, ah, oh, excuse me, who are you? Uh, yeah, I think I uh, yeah I was a, I was a shy kid, um, and yeah, like it took a while to get. Um, over that, especially knowing that like the media helps with, you know, making snowboarding more known in New Zealand. So, um, like I broke out of my shell a bit after the Olympics, mm. which was I reckon a good thing for me. Yeah, yeah. Is it does it come a bit more naturally now, or is this still like strange <laughs> having to sit and talk to me on the phone for um, however long? That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, all good. I've I've gotten used to it now. Yeah, because, I mean, particularly in a sport like yours where uh, sponsorship is such a, a big part of it, uh, you need to get invites to events, different different things like that. Have you actually um, maybe had some coaching in that area around media and, and talking and, and engaging with sponsors or have you just sort of learned it along the way? Um, nah, like um, definitely taught on when I was coming up mm. as an athlete. I did this program with High Performance Sport New Zealand called Pathway to Podium, and it was awesome. It was just like up and coming, like emerging talent, and they took you through like a program of like six months, and you did like media, nutrition, like recovery, like a okay. workshop every week, um, just learning about I don't know, like all the other things that come come with being an athlete, which was awesome and I think helped me a lot um, like in the long term but I think a lot of it comes just by uh, you know experiencing it. Yeah yeah I mean you can practice all you like right and say I guess it's the same with in competition until you actually do it in competition or until those microphones are shoved in your face um, it becomes a different story huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I remember um, in, in Pyeongchang, so you won your medal and then Nico was what, maybe an hour or so after? Yeah, I think maybe two hours yeah. after. But um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I was in drug testing, about to pee in a cup when, um, when I got the news that Nico had also won bronze. And it was pretty amazing because uh, like our coaches were, messaging each other that morning like because we both had our events on the same day and um we're all like a pretty tight team so like it was a pretty special moment every i swear every athlete's got a ping in the cup story that involves some sort of weird moment yours is finding out yeah. that Nico's won a bronze right yeah <laughs> I remember being with your mum and dad and I think your little sister and your brother were there as well from memory. Um, can you, what has your rise been like for your family? Um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Like, I guess, you know, uh, the whole family was super into uh, snow sports. Like my parents were in Whistler, Canada and then, um, I first skied over there and then 
yeah, we moved to New Zealand when I was six and got straight back into it, like, was skiing every single weekend, such weekend warriors. And then uh, my older brothers, they got into snowboarding and then I followed closely behind. And I know ever since then, uh, I was just, like, following my brother's footsteps. And, um, yeah, by the time I was, like, 13, uh, and my brothers had kind of... I guess, like, ventured into other areas. I was still super into snowboarding and really um, wanted to see how far I could go. And, yeah, my whole family was super supportive. Like, like I I was probably the worst, most hated of my siblings just because I never had to do the dishes during the winter because I was training. So, yeah, but they... Yeah, they all um yeah have had such an impact on on me so yeah at, at what at what point did your big brothers realize that you were better than them um i don't know like i had a moment uh when i was like i'm finally better than my brothers and that was when i did a double backflip a double back like, this is the day yeah a double backflip <laughs> I love it. And I was like 15, so I was like, yeah. That was a big moment for me. Because <laughs> you're, am I right, and your mum's American, your dad's Australian? Or is your dad a Kiwi but lived in Aussie? Uh, no, dad's a Kiwi. Right. Um, lived here for pretty much all of his life, except for uh, travelling a lot for work. And then mum's from America, she's from New York. So I've got a US passport as well, but I was born in Australia. Sydney but um yeah we we moved to Wanaka when I was six so I'm I'm almost the Wanaka local now which is pretty awesome. Geez that I mean that's harsh if you're only almost a Wanaka local and you've been there for what like you're what 20 now and so 14 years and they're still not giving you full status. Yeah, yeah well um no nah, I'd say I'm a local but I remember hearing on the radio when I was younger like some some real locals, like some farmers, talking on the radio, and they were like, "You have to live in Monaco for twenty-one years before you get the get the label." So, <laughs> not too long now. You're almost there. I reckon the I reckon the Monica farmers. Hopefully, if they're listening to this, they they, they might give you a pass mark. We're chatting to Zoe Sadowski Senate here on Trailblazers. We will take a quick break, quick break, and be back with Zoe with more shortly. You're listening to Trailblazers with Ricky Swinell. This is Trailblazers with Ricky Swinell. Where my guest today is Olympic bronze medalist and two-time world champion snowboarder Zoe Sadowski Senate Joining us from Wanaka, chasing winters as the snowboarders tend to do. Of course, Zoe winning bronze in Pyeongchang about, well, coming up three and a half, almost four years ago and now gearing up for uh, Beijing. Uh, we're talking a little bit, um, Zoe, about, you know, getting used to the media and the spotlight and yourself and Nico Porteous, you're both so young and you still are when you, when you won those medals. Have you almost kind of had to grow up in the public eye a little bit has that been strange um yeah kind of like I wouldn't say it's been too bad um I guess our sport is a little less in the public eye than others so it hasn't been too bad but I've um definitely felt like I've grown up with uh media around which 
everyone's all good. Like, um, you know. It's like all good. <laughs> it is what it is, right? It's part. It's part of it, and I guess that's the cool thing yeah. about like the the community yeah. that you have in, in Wanaka, who we've just made sure that you are now a fully paid up member, f- convinced as being <laughs> full Wanaka, even though you haven't been there for the twenty one years. Um, life down there uh, must make what you do like such a joy. Is it right? Like the school kids, you might have your morning at school, and then you'd go up the mountain for the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, I had a lot of days from the age of 10 to 15 where I'd go in for the first two periods and then leave at morning tea or just go up for the morning up the mountain and then come in for the last period, just make sure I didn't miss that one class. Um, So, yeah, it was a pretty amazing place to live, especially when you're pursuing snowboarding. I don't know. How it would have gone if I was living somewhere else, but um, now nah, the school down here, I went to school at Mac and they're super supportive and yeah, I managed to get through school, which was good. Um, it was a bit rocky after winning the medal and still trying to do school, it was like straight after, that's when things got hard because yeah, yeah my teachers didn't really... Uh, didn't really um, try to put me in my place anymore when I missed too many days of school, you know. I, I like the honesty. <laughs> like, I'm just going to not go to school yeah. and the teachers are going to let it slide. It's okay. Because, uh, I mean, now, I mean, you are, well, even by then, you're, you're a professional athlete, right? And so it is, am I right in that you're chasing winters? So, you, you know, you have your New Zealand winter and then you're off to Europe and you're off to the States uh, to compete and, and do all of those things. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, have the New Zealand winter and then maybe have a month or two in between and then head overseas, usually to Europe to start off with and then uh, spend the rest of the season in America depending on the competition schedule. But, yeah, it's pretty much just chasing um, the best training, the best parks, the best weather. Um, It kind of sucks when you don't get to see the sun too much or um, have many like summer activities or anything but um, yeah you kind of make the most of the month you get outside of winter. (laughs) The month? Yeah pretty much like um, yeah always try to go somewhere warm or tropical but yeah like I, I snowboard almost every month of the year so yeah Got where it's still cold. Yeah, yeah. When you you head off, and um, I guess most traditional New Zealand sports fans, and we try and give them a bit of an understanding of of what it is like, how do you balance that really competitive side and, as you say, getting into events, chasing competitions, with the fact that a lot of snow sports and snowboarding is such a free kind of sport and it's got such a a cruisy um, persona about it? Um, yeah, like, I don't know, yeah, the uh, culture of snowboarding is a bit cruisy, but at the same time pretty, like, aggressive. Um, you know, you can get every different kind of person in it. And, yeah, for me, I guess I've always been a cruisy, kind of chill kind of person, but that works for me, even like, especially with competing. Um, but, 
yeah, it's trying to get to um, invites to events. Like that's how I got invited to X Games. I had to um, send a video of like what I was, what tricks I could do, and what I was up to to get an invite. And yeah, you kind of have to fight for it. But um, especially coming from New Zealand, where I guess like the whole scene's kind of sent centralized in America and Europe and you kind of have to try to really put your foot in the door but um that nah, it's just a balance of being aggressive and then uh you know chilling at the same time yeah. I guess because so is that how it works right so to get invites to x games or or natural selection or whatever you have to basically submit a showreel for want of a better term here's your CV I mean you're probably beyond that now people know who you are but is that how it was initially um, not exactly, like with um, X Games, I just did that because, you know, I wanted to uh, make sure, like, try my best to get an invite, not just based on results from the year before. They kind of, they look at everything and invite you from, I don't know, like, seeing on Instagram and then comp results and all that. But then with Natural Selection that I did in February in Jackson Hole, that was, I got invited to that uh, via a wildcard competition. It was a video competition, so I put together a minute of my best at country free ride clips, and um, they had like a public voting system, and they all uh, voted, and that's how I got invited to that one. Oh, that must be cool, though, like public actually voting for you. So can you explain what like natural selection actually is? Yeah, so natural selection... Um, it's been in the making for 10, 15 years. Travis Rice is the founder and he's pretty much running the whole thing. And um, he also competes in it. He's like just like the biggest uh, legend in the sport, probably the, uh, one of the most famous snowboarders in the world. Mm. And yeah, it's a free ride backcountry uh, tour, which... It's a lot different to Slopestyle and Big Air where you have groomed slopes with um, features that are like up to perfection. And, you know, so like natural selection is kind of, you, you get given a face pretty much, just like a run down the mountain. It could be anywhere. And um, for the one in Jackson, they built like in the summertime when there was no snow, they built features out of wood and then you know, as the snow was falling um, those features became like turned into like these massive drops or um, massive jumps and just in these trees and on this run and at the resort with Jackson and so like it's a way to for snowboarders to get creative and um, you know show their skills outside outside a traditional setting and like um yeah yeah and then i went to alaska which was just you know it was really um just riding a gnarly mountain um so you just it's so hard to explain but you kind of just like ride down this massive face on a mountain in alaska and try to do you know show your creativity um uh, by doing tricks or doing a massive drop or, you know, really doing anything to um, anything to make your mark and yeah. um, get a good score. But it's like, 
going fast, making it look good, like all those things come into it. But, you know, you're riding in snow that's 20, 30 centimetres deep and conditions are always changing. Um, and there's like the weather window of 10 days, so you're just like waiting for those prime conditions where you have good snow as well as stable um, snow conditions. So, yeah, yeah there's, I guess the whole way to... Uh, uh, shoeboxer is it's just like a it's a, like natural terrain competition and you have to do show your best best on it I don't know it's yeah. so hard to explain. no I don't know I've got like I can I can picture it it's the sort of stuff that old people and people like me go never in my wildest dreams would I want to do something like that but I'd imagine for, for, for you guys who compete there's a, a bit of a freedom to it as well as it's a bit of a mixture of everything freedom, creativity, probably a little bit terrifying as well and all of those things Yeah it's, Yeah, yeah, it's definitely terrifying like um, the, what a, a huge difference between say, a slope style and big air versus a natural selection comp is that you don't get a practice run. You just get to look at the course and you decide what you're going to do um, just by looking at it. And then when you drop in, you don't know the snow conditions or anything like that. You've never hit any of the features in there. So you're trying to figure out the speed for one jump um, that you want to do a trick on, but you might go like way too fast or way too slow. Mm. There's just so many unknowns that that's what makes it so exciting. Do you, do you enjoy it? Did you love it? Oh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was like a nice way, um, a nice thing to do after X Games because X Games was a very uh, hectic week. And then going into Jackson, it was just like... Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The funnest thing ever, riding um, like 30 centimeter deep cow and um, I had a blast. Awesome. We're talking to Zoe Sadowski Senate on Trailblazers. Trailblazers, stay with us on SCNZ. More with Zoe shortly. You're listening to Trailblazers with Ricky Swinnell. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath. Scared to rock the vote. Alrighty, let me, uh, cool. let me play the audio again. We'll oh, carry on. Yeah, let's hear it again. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> This is Trailblazers with Ricky Swinnell. And my very special guest on Trailblazers here on SCNZ is snowboarder Zoe sadowski Sinnott. We've been talking a little bit about natural selection and this very free form of competition, which Zoe did incredibly well in, in earlier in the year, getting a wild card and getting voted in by the public. Speaking of random things, Zoe, we talked about it before and how life's changed a little bit. Um, the ESPYs, how is that... I know, don't, I don't even get to go, but to uh-huh. be nominated, like, what? That must have been crazy. Yeah, it's such an honour to be nominated. I was nominated two years ago as well, and um, I'm nominated alongside Chloe Kim, who 
won every single halfpipe competition this year. And then Eileen Gu, um, who won an X Games as a rookie, uh, as a skier. And then um, Griffin Moore, who's uh, like five times surf world champion. So, like, to be alongside those girls is crazy. And I can't believe that. I think Holly won a few hours ago, which is pretty awesome because she's had a, an amazing season. It's, um, I guess, recognition of, of everything that you've done and, and, and the work that you keep doing. Is a big part of that starting to get, and what you do, that recognition in the States, so that in the US, so that the invites keep coming, the sponsors keep coming and all of that? Do you keep aware of that side of things or you just go and compete and what will be will be? Um, yeah, kind of mostly kind of, you know, just try to snowboard as much as I can and uh, try to let the snowboarding speak for itself. But, um, yeah, it's hugely important to, um, yeah, keep up with that stuff. And I try to, of course, um, especially when I'm overseas. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. The the training side of it, and as you say, the actual letting the snowboarding speak for itself. What does training for a snowboarder actually look like? Um, good question. Um, <laughs> like I don't know. Like um, I train in the gym as well as train on snow, and so that's like strength and power and endurance and like muscular endurance, and that's how. We train when we can't be on snow and then um, when the mountains are open, try to snowboard from like pretty much all day and you work on the areas that you're not good at, good at. Just, you know, always have goals and trying to learn new tricks or um, trying to work on something technical. I don't know, like say you plan a run for a comp on those tricks before you go to that comp and like you know a huge chunk of my New Zealand season will be working towards like one big jump trick and I'll slowly um, build to that throughout the season and then yeah when the weather aligns you know it, it's kind of when like training gets hectic like um, yeah there's so many different ways you can train there's um and this time of year, we're kind of just getting back into it, um, working on stuff like um, technical stuff that I guess you lose when you haven't been on snow for a while. And, yeah, just kind of getting back into that. Uh, All good. Um, yeah, when you're ready, we'll pick it up. Yeah, because I guess, um, do you do sort of trampoline or, or gymnastics training, that sort of thing, to, to practice your moves and, and, and your big ones that you're going to then put out on the mountain? Yeah, do a lot of um, trampolining for off-snow training. Um, it's how we learn new tricks, um, like bigger spins. And say I was like wanting to learn a 1080, um, I'd practice it on the trampoline beforehand, um, like for ages before I'll try it on snow, you know? Yeah. And it just gives a lot of aerial awareness. Um, it teaches you so many skills. Like it, I think it's one of the most important things um, for 
no warning. Yeah, you're going to have to explain what a 1080 is. <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought I knew something, and then oh. I just remember I can never remember how many rotations and how it works. Yeah, so like it's three three sixties, so right. three full turns. Yeah, that shows also how bad I am at maths. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know I learned that trick uh, like two years ago, and so now working on bigger spins. Um, but yeah, it's a long process and, you know, like trampolining is a safe way to practice tricks before trying them on a hard pack slow landing, you know? Yeah. Have you ever um, thought, yep, I've got this trick when you're on the on land and or on the trampoline and then gone up and gone, oh, no, I don't, when you've got to the mountain? Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of times. It's like... It's a slow, slow process, and um, you need to work on so many skills before you go and try on, try, like, say a 1080 for the first time. Um, That definitely happened to me a lot of times. Like, the first time I tried a front 1080, I, um, I dislocated my elbow. I thought I had it, and then, yeah, didn't try the trick again for two years, so, yeah. Yeah, I can I can imagine it because I, I mean it's a a sport where it seems that you're always trying to push your own limits and then people are always pushing to what's next in the sport, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a um, super progressive sport. Um, like action sports always are. You're always chasing the next big trick or. Um, you know, when you're coming up before you're at the top, you're always chasing, like, what to learn next. And then once you're at the top, you have to be the one to, I don't know, kind of lead it and look for the a trick that's never been done kind of thing. Um, but, like, women's snowboarding at the moment is so exciting because, yeah, the, it's, like, the most progressive sport in the world right now. And... Like, I'm super stoked to be a part of it because, yeah, everyone is killing it and, yeah, it's getting pushed so hard. And why is that? Why do you think that is at this moment in time that, that it is so progressive for women? Um, I don't know. Like, I think it was always a slow burn, but when they added Big Air into the 2018 Olympics, I think that's when it really shot up because, you know, there was a platform to show one big trick and, you know, if you can if you can win a comp with one or two big tricks, then you're pushing for those tricks even harder. And then, yeah, when they show up in big airs, then you move them into slope style as well because mm. it's easier to put a new trick into a big air run than trying to fit it into a three jump slope course plus three rails. And so, yeah, it's just like, I think it just slingshotted it um, so fast. Before the 2018 Olympics, the progression was unreal. And now, like coming into this next one, um, like I'm super excited to see what the other girls do and what the tricks they're going to do in slope style and big air because 
yeah, it's going to be crazy. So with when you're preparing for, for slope style, obviously Big Air, you, you just go down and you, you hopefully nail your, your one big trick. But with slope style, are you memorising in your training? Are you remembering a routine or, you know, what the run's going to look like and hitting certain marks along the way? Yeah, so, yeah, so Big Air is one jump and you usually do one trick for qualifiers and then two tricks for finals and that scores combined and then yeah slope style is where it gets more creative and you usually have six features in a slope style course and that can change from saying like two rails three jumps and a quarter pipe or like four rails one jump and like a um a, we call it a whale tail it's super hard to explain yeah. but like you can really have anything and it gives the option for more creativity and really shows who's who's really um, the best snowboarder because, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. You really have to... Because, um, like, if you fall on one, one of the features, your whole run is over. So you have to be so consistent and so precise. Um, but it's super exciting to watch. Yeah. So to put you on the spot then, what's your favourite big year or slope style? Oh, definitely, definitely slope style. Um, just because, like, the feeling you get when you finish a slope style compared to uh, landing on big air is just, like, next to nothing else because, you know, it's, like, 45 seconds of just pure, like, focus compared to um, one trick. Mm. We're talking to snowboarder Zoe sadowski sinnett on Trailblazers. We'll take one more quick break here on SCNZ and be back with Zoe shortly. You're listening to Trailblazers with Ricky Swinnell. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath. Scared to rock the vote. Sweet, I'll just play the intro cool. and we'll, uh, we'll kick it off. How good. This is Trailblazers with Ricky Swinnell. We are going in-depth and one-on-one with champion snowboarder Zoe Sadowski, Senate bronze medalist at the last Winter Olympics and now about eight or so months out from having another crack, the Winter Olympics coming up in Beijing. We were talking uh, about all the various competitions that Zoe does, uh, big air and slope style and, and how they prepare and how snowboarders prepare different routines. Zoe, I know this is going to sound really basic, but do you get scared? Um, yeah, definitely get scared. I get scared, um, almost every day I go snowboarding. You kind of have to scare yourself, uh, to learn new tricks and it's pretty fun as well. Um, but yeah, right before trying a new trick for the first time, that's probably the scariest thing. And then, um, trying to fit one of those new tricks into a comp run is also, one of the scariest things that I've experienced. So, yeah, it's just one of those sports where it's full adrenaline trying to scare yourself. It's a hell of a way to win a living. Yeah, it's pretty fun, though. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. 
take you. I'll take your word for it. As as snowboarding being about the only sport I've tried where I was completely hopeless, like not even any sort of ability whatsoever. I would <laughs> totally take your word for it. I would love to be able to. So maybe I need to come down and get some lessons. But um, it, 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 it's grim because yeah. um, I guess a big part of it too is serious injury, right? You said you, you dislocated your elbow when you you did one part. I can imagine already at twenty, your knees are, are probably a little bit shaky. Um, they're actually not too bad. Like, um, when I was growing up, um, from the age of 13 to, I guess, 18, um, it's very common to, I guess, have bad knees in snowboarding, somehow manage to injure them. But a lot of time in the gym was spent on neuromuscular control, which means, I guess, strengthening your, the ligaments in your knees and the alignment and everything so that, you know, when you're put in those tricky positions when you're on the mountain, um, you kind of have muscle memory with where to put your knees and stuff. So I've been super lucky that I haven't had any injuries like that and I'm pretty stoked with how my knees are at the moment. It's just everything else that's pretty starting to get pretty sore. Oh, great, great. As I get older. I'll, yeah, I'll, t- I'll touch wood on, on the dodgy knees for you. Um, obviously, in, into the yeah. de- depths of our winter um, and getting back into it. So what's the what's the big trick for this winter? What's the thing that you are working on? And, and I guess with knowing that the Olympics are, are really close now. Yeah. Um, yeah, the big trick for this winter, I don't really want to say. Okay. I don't know. I've got a few things few things I want to do but definitely a backside 1260 because um, a few girls have already done them and I've had a few cracks at them but haven't managed to ride away from one so that's definitely on the cards this winter as well as just um, trying to become more consistent and just yeah learning heaps of different stuff and is that something like in conjunction with your coaches that, that you you know you think oh this is the one we want to really try and target this winter or you know we need to work on this but and, and really nail that skill yeah exactly like um before every season come up with a plan the tricks that I want to do and where they're going to fit into comp runs um and then yeah just get to work at the start of the season and slowly build to those tricks and yeah so I've I've got a pretty good idea of what um tricks are going to happen at the Olympics and what it's going to take to kind of be up there so I'm pretty much spending this season trying to I guess build consistency with that and yeah get those tricks that it's going to take. And I guess, so like, what's the plan, Zoe? It's still so hard to travel, right? I know you've been able to get overseas and compete and then come back and do your MIQ stints. You already, I'm imagining, having to factor that in for, for the Northern Hemisphere winter when we get to summer uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. So this past season was pretty crazy. I travelled overseas in December and was so scared um, just because of all the unknowns with COVID. Mm and traveling between borders and um yeah but um we kept it pretty strict and pretty safe between the whole of the snow sports new zealand team and managed to finish off the five months then without 
anyone getting COVID, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty crazy time in the world right now to be traveling for sport. So I was super grateful to be able to travel overseas and um, kind of feel like a bit of normality with competing and training and stuff. But it's still, it's still pretty crazy. So going to have to see um, how I guess open the world is uh, come this next season but yes fingers crossed that um yeah it should be sweet yeah for sure um away from snowboarding what what else do you like to do what what else do you get up to when you're not traveling the world and competing and being amazing um i do a lot of other board sports um (laughs) knew you were gonna say that i love skating i've been skating yeah i've been skating since before I started snowboarding since I was like seven and then recently in the last few years got into surfing and it's those two uh, awesome activities to be able to do because you're still doing something that kind of correlates with snowboarding but more summer activities so not so cold and um, I'm pretty bad at surfing so it's like nice to build my way up from the bottom, um, I guess, with that and kind of learn a new skill in that way. Yeah. I mean, snowboarding, I mean, sorry, um, skateboarding, summer Olympic sport now. Uh, could, could you do a double? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> Why not? There's, I think there's very few people who can do doubles on a skateboard. Um, unless you mean a, like a double trick. No, but, I mean like um, a, I mean like I'm, no, I'm, I'm so not cool enough to know what that is. I mean like do the double Olympics, be a summer yeah. Olympian and a winter Olympian. Oh no way! <laughs> nah, the level, the level of women skateboarding right now is pretty amazing. I'm so excited to watch the the girls skate and the girls surf and pretty much yeah the whole of the skating and surfing. I think it's happening in I think two weeks from yesterday. Mm. And, yeah, got it all in the calendar because it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I love it. If On that, and you're not allowed to choose surfing and you're not allowed to choose skateboarding, if you were doing another sport and going to the Olympics, what would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. There we go. Totally I, put you on the spot. I did. Yeah, I spent some time with... Um, Dylan Schmitty and oh, yeah. Dylan Schmidt and uh, the rest of the trampling uh, New Zealand crew um, for a training camp. And honestly, I wasn't very good at it, even though like the way they do things is a whole lot different to the way we trampoline. But I'd say that one would be pretty exciting because I don't know. I feel like it, it's more fun because you're you're scaring yourself. Yeah, but they, I can't wait high. to watch him in the Olympics. Yeah, I can't wait to watch him. He's going to kill it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if, I mean, outside of that, so if if you weren't doing this, do you, do you have an idea of, of what you would have done through school or, you know, like uh, some kids growing up wanting to be a teacher or whatever it is? Do you, is there other things outside of, of sporting, skateboarding, surfing, or are you just living your best life at the moment, don't even need to worry? Um, I'm pretty much living my best life. I would have loved to um, go through school and really explored um, what I wanted to do. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else right now because, yeah, no complaints from me. 
Uh, fair, fair enough. I, yeah, I don't think people, I don't think people would expect you to um, at all. And, and as we say, um, Winter Olympics coming up, what February next year in uh, Beijing. Um, the idea of going back to another Olympics, I'm sure, with you know some of some of the crew that were there uh, four years ago. What will it mean to you to be able to go and compete again? And, and you're going as a contender, not an outsider this time. Yeah, I'm super excited for the coming Olympics and yeah, the pressure is going to be a bit more intense just because yeah, I'm less of an underdog this time around, but um, yeah, eight months out now and yeah, I guess going to have to see how Beijing is, but um, I've seen the course and uh, read in the big air that it's going to be at and they have some amazing facilities there, so I can't wait. Awesome, Zoe. We can't wait to see you competing, well, hopefully at home over the the coming winter, perhaps, first of all, and and then internationally, and then at the Olympics in Beijing in February next year. Zoe Sedarsky-Sinnott, thank you so much for joining us on Trailblazers. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Trailblazers with Ricky Swinnell. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath.